Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. The Hibernia oil platform in the North Atlantic is 315 kilometers south-southeast of St. John's, Newfoundland. It is way, way out there in the North Atlantic Ocean. The total structure from the ocean floor to the top of the derrick is 738 feet high, and it cost over $6 billion to build years ago. The Hibernia is actually anchored deep into the seabed. It's fastened, it's, it's anchored to the ocean floor in 265 feet of water. I mean, those anchors are drilled deep into the ocean floor, into the uh, sedimentary rock. And the, the main point of the passage we're going to look at today in the book of Acts is how the Apostle Paul's life is anchored in the sovereignty of God. This morning we come to Acts chapter 27. We've been uh, studying the book of Acts for about 27 years, and today we come to the book of Acts in chapter 27. Paul is on his way to Rome, and in terms of um, number of verses or passages, uh, length of passage, he's, he's, on, he's on his way to Rome for quite a while in the book of Acts. This story is told with great detail and with remarkable precision. So let's jump into the storyline in Acts chapter 27. If you have your Bible or Bible app, please open up to Acts 27 and verse 13 and just follow along. I'm going to begin reading now. Acts 27, 13. They're on their way to Rome, on a ship. And when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cotta, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. And after hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. So we get the picture of this, this great wind that's absolutely driving this ship along the sea. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, like the last month or so in Windsor, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. 
So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. And of course, that's the island of Malta. We're going to stop there for a moment, for now. We're going to pause. It is clearly evident from this passage that God had a plan for Paul's life and Paul's ministry, and absolutely nothing was going to stand in the way. Not the storm, not the sailors, not their fear. Nothing was going to prevent Paul from getting to Rome. Why? Because Paul's life and his ministry were anchored in the sovereignty of God. And nothing was going to stop God from getting Paul to Rome so Paul could talk about Jesus. And this chapter, Acts 27, explains just how every Christian can face the storms of life with courage if we take advantage of the anchors provided. Every Christian can face the storms of life with courage if we just take advantage of the anchors provided. For example, you can take courage in the storms of life through the anchor of God's presence. They were in the middle of the storm, being tossed about by this violent wind, this northeaster. They all thought they were going to die. The scripture said they had abandoned all hope of being saved. These guys had given up. We're surely going to die. But Paul was confident of the presence of God. He had a different perspective. He knew that God was there, present on the ship. He had said to the sailors in verse 23, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. The angel of God himself. A manifestation of God there, right on the ship. On the deck of a sinking ship in a raging storm, Paul was absolutely convinced and absolutely secure in the presence of God. And and that encouragement allowed him to encourage others and speak words of hope to others. He had heard the voice of God. January 1956, civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., returned home late one night after a very long day of organizational meetings. His wife and his young daughter were already in bed, and he was very eager to join them as quickly as possible. But the telephone rang, and it was a very threatening caller on the other end, interrupted his attempt to get some much-needed rest. The caller called to say that he had a plan to kill Dr. King if he continued to organize the Negroes. When Dr. King tried to go back to bed, he just couldn't sleep. He couldn't shake the words of threat that began to well up in his heart and throb between his ears. Such hateful speech. How could he sleep? And so he got up and made a pot of coffee. And he sat down at the kitchen table and buried his head in his hands and cried out to God. And right there in his kitchen, in the middle of the night, 
Dr. King came to the end of himself. And that's when he met Jesus in a deep and profound way. Dr. King, telling the story later of this event, would say, I heard the voice of Jesus. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you, ever. So in the stillness of the night, the voice of Jesus was much more convincing than the voice of this threatening caller. Brothers and sisters, anchor your life in the presence of God. Listen for the voice of God. Spend time in His presence. Listen for His voice. He will guide you. He will comfort you like no one else. Spend time in His presence. Furthermore, we can take courage through the storms of life, in the storms of life through the anchor of God's ownership. God's ownership. When our kids were teenagers and they were uh, heading out to a a party or out for the evening or going to a movie perhaps, uh, my wife would remind them about ownership. And I'm not talking about vehicle ownership here. (laughs) Patty would wait for the perfect moment when they were coming to say goodbye, they were just about to leave, or, or, or better yet, when they had opened the front door and had taken the first step over the threshold, she would say, oh, one more thing, remember who you belong to. Kids would go, oh, mom, Really? <laughs> I mean, Patty would wait for the perfect moment. Didn't matter if there were, uh, their friends had joined them or there were a pack of six or eight or ten. She'd say, remember who you belong to. Remember you belong to Jesus. Wherever you go tonight, whatever's happening tonight, live like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus. Remember who you belong to. And right here, Acts chapter 27, in the middle of this raging storm, Paul is aware that he belongs to Jesus. And the anchor of God's ownership is so, such a bedrock thing. For, he's, he's sunk deep into the sovereign will and plan of God, and he just knows that he belongs to Jesus. Look at the text, verse 23. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong. Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> you know, you've read the verse before, but have you ever thought, this applies to me too? I belong to God. He owns my life. He's my king. He's my savior. He's my sovereign. He's my Lord. I belong to Jesus. Man, well, you've got that kind of, well, you've got that attitude, you can face any storm. You belong to God. You belong to God because you've been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Huh? Whom you have from God? Okay. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body, soul, and spirit. Bring it all. Lay it all on the altar. 
Because you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You belong to him. And when the storms of life threaten you and bully you and pressure you, just, just take a moment. Every now and again, just take a moment to remind yourself of who you are and who you belong to. Just take a moment. you mind if I take a moment now to remind you of who you are and who you belong to? Do you mind? Okay. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Oh, you mean my little part of the world. No. You're the light of the world. You're a child of God. You're chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Hallelujah. You're a new creation if you're in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a child of light and not a child of darkness. You're a member of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. It doesn't get any better than that. You are born of God and the evil one, the devil, cannot touch you. Woohoo! Come on. I should be preaching at WCF this morning. <laughs> praise God for all of that, right? Come on, let's give him a, a praise offering this morning. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Praise the Lord. The anchor, the anchor of God's ownership enabled the Apostle Paul to stand tall in the midst of this raging storm. And he wants to do the same for you. To give you the strength and the endurance and the steadfastness that you need to stand in the middle of the storm. Whatever storm may be brewing in your life, remember who you belong to. Thirdly, You can take courage in the storms of life through the anchor of trust in God. The Apostle Paul told the others on this endangered ship that an angel of God had spoken to him. Verse 24 says, The angel said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. God has a plan. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. None of them, none of these sailors are going to lose their lives. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. What confidence he had. What confidence. He had that kind of confidence because he just believed God. He just trusted in God. God said it, I believe it, that settles it forever. Boom. So if we would just anchor our lives in God's presence and God's ownership and put all of our trust in, the, in King Jesus, then we will be able to stand any storm of life. Whatever it is, whatever comes, we will be safe and secure from all alarm. We'll be standing on the promises of God. Come on, let it rain. Let it come. We're ready. We're good. Because we trust in Him. Let us not trust in man. Let not the wise trust in their wisdom. 
Let not the strong boast in their might. Let not the rich glory in riches. We will trust the Lord. Amen? We will trust in Him. Kate Bowler is a university professor. She's also a young mom uh, with two children. And she also has terminal cancer. She's dying. In a recent conversation, this bright, beautiful, vivacious woman talked about feeling loved by God even though she has cancer and even though she's dying she had learned to put her trust in the Lord she said God had given her a gift with her cancer God had given her the gift of understanding how fragile life is for everybody and how desperately we need to trust in Jesus In this impossible situation, in the midst of this raging storm, the Apostle Paul could say, Take courage, men. I believe God. And I believe that things are going to turn out exactly the way God said they would. I trust in Him. And Kate Bowler said the same thing. I may have cancer, and I may be dying... But Jesus is greater than my cancer, and Jesus is greater than my death, and I will trust in Him. End of story. So folks, we, we, we believe in the sovereignty of God, right? We believe that God is in control. So among so many other things, this means that in whatever God allows to come our way, we see His love. In whatever God allows into our lives, we see the fingerprints of God. We might not see the whole picture. We might not understand every detail, but we see Him. Why? Because we trust in Jesus. God will give us sufficient grace to remain steadfast and true to the very end. Come hell or high water, as the saying goes, we will trust in Him. And because of the grace, the great grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the storms and the shipwrecks, the storms and the shipwrecks are for our benefit. They are for the glory of God and for our good. Because all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Join me in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we thank you this morning for your tender-hearted mercy. Thank you for protecting your people as they walk through the fires of adversity and hardship. Lord Jesus, you, you 
You hold the world in your hands. You're the God of mercy and might. You, you knew us even before we were born, and you call us each by name. You know us so intimately and so personally. Not only are you present here, but you, you're the ruler, you're the king, you're the owner of this place and of the people who call the gathering their church. You know us in advance and you know what storms we're going to face and what we will need every step along the way. And we thank you for your presence. Lord, your presence in our lives today is, is more important to us than anything. I mean, how could we ever respond? How should we respond but, but to, to bow down before you and, and worship? And by your grace, we will ever Trust you, Jesus. Amen.